Good morning, everyone. I'm really, really delighted that you are all here joining us for this service, whether it is whether you're present here in the beautiful sanctuary or at home watching the service streaming live, or maybe uh, a little bit later down the road watching it uh, recorded. It's really great to have you join us. I'm calling today's message, Finding the Extraordinary in the Ordinary. Today, I want to talk with you about how the stuff that seems routine and just not that special, maybe even boring, can become amazing, fantastic, and even magical if you learn to find the extraordinary in the ordinary. This can be a kind of superpower, and you don't have to be bitten by a radioactive spider or come from another planet to get it. I'm going to tell you how I developed this superpower within my life. But first, I want to tell you what my life was like before I realized that I could have this superpower. When I was a kid, I had big dreams. Those dreams included traveling the world. I always had a passion for wall maps, road atlases, and globes. To me, they were much more than mere objects depicting what our country and world looked like. They held possibilities of adventure and excitement and exotic experiences. My mom had a subscription to National Geographic, and I devoured the articles and photos that gave glimpses into faraway places and cultures that were so different from ours. The National Geographic magazines often came with folded up wall maps related to the articles, and mom always saved those for me. I put many of them up on the walls of my bedroom and the others I tucked away so I could pull them out from time to time and just gaze at them and dream. It was great. Day after day, I would look at those maps of those exotic places and imagine myself traveling to all of them someday. Someday. But someday never came for the family that I grew up in. I was really fortunate to have two wonderful, loving, hardworking parents, but they just did not have lucrative careers. My mom was a longtime public school teacher, if that tells you anything. So, you know, um, the reality was that they just could not afford to take my three younger siblings and me on fancy trips around the world. They did provide us with a few wonderful car trips to other parts of the United States, and I'm really thankful for those beautiful memories and grateful to them for all that they did for us. But still, I longed to explore the rest of the world. And when I graduated from Bradley and moved out of my parents' house, away from Peoria, I figured it would not be long before I would finally see places beyond the USA. But my life took some unexpected turns, and some of them were wonderful. Eventually, I moved back to Peoria. Soon after that, I met and married Terrence and had two sons, Ross and Owen. I began a new career path in the mental health field, and life marched on. And what about those travel dreams that I've had ever since childhood, literally 50 years? Well, someday still has not arrived. You see, as it turns out, in all of our years together, Terrence and I still have not been able to scrape together enough money to travel outside the Midwest. Mental health issues can be really hard. And I'll be honest, life has been difficult for us in many ways, not just financially. I won't elaborate on those because I have intended this message to be uplifting. Really, I have. And I'll be getting to the uplifting part soon, I promise. But to get to the heart of what I want to share with you, I'm going to need to mention one more thing that is not uplifting at all. I'm pretty sure most of you are aware that our younger son, Owen, 
died unexpectedly on February 23rd of this year, exactly four weeks after his 24th birthday. As you might imagine, this has been the most painful and difficult year of my life. And Owen's death has felt at times like the icing on a giant bitter cake of hardship and struggle that Terrence and I have endured. For years, long before Owen died, I would wonder, when do I get my turn? When do I get to travel to cool places and experience exotic things and just have a real vacation for a change? When? When? When do I get to have fun like that? I felt sorry for myself. I felt deprived. At times, I even felt cheated and resentful. It felt as if those cherished dreams had been stolen from me. And when Owen died, when my worst nightmare became a reality, I just knew that my world would be changed forever. It has been almost six months since his passing, and I still believe that my path in life will never be, can never be, the same as it was before. But, but, since Owen's death, my superpower has revealed itself to me. And it has taken Owen himself and the way, and the way he lived his short life to show me this superpower. I have spent hours and hours thinking about Owen since he died, thinking about who he was and what made him unique and amazing. Many of you were familiar with Owen because of his presence here at services and church events. Um, whenever we were here, he was most likely hanging around out by the front door waiting to say hi to people as they came in. But none of you had the gift of knowing Owen like we, his little family, did. And I bet most of you did not know the extent of Owen's disabilities. The fact is, in addition to his autism, he had some significant developmental challenges. According to various psychological assessments, Owen had the mental age of a seven or eight-year-old child. His disabilities made it more difficult for him to fit in with other young adults his age. But, but, I also bet most of you did not know what a magical mind Owen had. In many ways, he truly did experience life with the mind of a child. He moved through this world with a childlike sense of wonder. He loved to explore. Have you ever noticed how a lot of kids just seem to incline to explore their surroundings? They're curious and often want to go all over the place, some, you know, for better or worse. Uh, it's not always a safe thing, but, you know, they're curious. They want to explore. And then we, you know, we're curious like that when we're young, and then we grow up, and we're taught and trained to rein that in, to rein in the curiosity, because we're supposed to focus on the so-called important stuff, like work. But Owen was perpetually curious and loved to explore. Whenever we took him into a store, it didn't matter what kind of store it was, he took delight in looking all around to see what treasures he could find. And if he found just the right Hot Wheels car or a snack item he had been craving, well, I wish that you could have seen the sheer joy on his face and heard the glee in his voice. I want to show you a picture. This is a photo from about 10 years ago when I took Owen to a grocery store and he found a package of string cheese. String cheese. He loved it. I think it appealed to him because of the way 
It is individually wrapped and it can be pulled apart into little strings, hence the name string cheese. Um, in the last couple years of his life, Owen began to really take an even more intense interest in string cheese. And whenever we would take him out for snacks, he, would, he wanted to look for those individual string cheese snacks, cheese sticks at whatever gas station we went to. And when he found the kind that he wanted, because he was kind of picky, he was very brand loyal. He wanted Kraft or Sargento, none of like the Circle K brand. He, you know, he was a string cheese connoisseur. Uh, but when he found the kind he wanted, he would let out this big, satisfied, ah, like that. He had that approach to life in general. The little things were special to him. The things that we might consider mundane, like a particular brand of root beer, for instance, seemed exciting, even magical to Owen. He'd say stuff like, they have A&W, Mommy. They have Dad's root beer. He loved root beer. He loved each moment and, and embraced it. He loved to travel. We didn't go very far with him. I calculated that he never went more than about 475 miles from home in his whole life, but he loved road trips. And whenever we took him on those, those longer car trips to destinations beyond central Illinois, he really loved looking at the scenery, even if we were just passing silos and cornfields. He'd point and say, silos, mommy. Look at all the silos. How many of you get excited about silos? Owen did. Owen said many times, though, that he wanted to travel to various faraway places like California, London, Thailand. He had big dreams, just like I always did and still do. But he did not wait for those longer trips to happen, to soak up every drop of joy from his surroundings and his adventures. That's what we called them, his adventures, even a trip to the dollar store down the street. He lived for the immediate moments, whatever and wherever they were. And I've realized since Owen died that there are a lot of valuable lessons in the way that he approached life. And he had wisdom and a certain kind of genius, really, for appreciating the simple pleasures. Things like an ice-cold bottle and of A&W root beer, which he could chug down in about 20 seconds flat, by the way. Um, a classic muscle car Hot Wheels that he could add to his collection. And a particularly funny episode of SpongeBob where he would just toss his head back and roar, laugh and laugh and laugh. And of course, the magical string cheese sticks. Even more importantly, though, Owen relished every moment with the people he loved, including this beloved UU community. Because Owen packed so much appreciation and joy into each of his life experiences, I believe that he did live his life to the fullest. Despite his challenges, he was a profoundly happy guy. He continually found the extraordinary in the ordinary. Because Owen managed to do that, I was inspired to try it too. So how have I begun to do this in my own life with my various responsibilities at work and home? Well, first of all, I strive to pay more attention with my five senses. One author whose work has helped me with this is Gretchen Rubin, R-U-B-I-N. She has written several books, including The Happiness Project, which I read in 2011. That book describes how she spent a year focusing on a different happiness strategy 
each month as like a little experiment to see if she'd be happier. This past January, I downloaded her Happier app, and I decided to take on her challenge called Outside 23 and 23. That challenge, is that challenge encourages participants to get outside for at least 23 minutes every day in 2023, hence the name. The Happier app has a photo log feature for that challenge, so every day I can upload a photo I've taken outside that day to help me hold myself accountable. To be honest with everything that has been going on this year, I've not always felt like even setting foot outside, and I don't necessarily make myself stay out there for the whole 23 minutes. Since I work remotely, it would be really easy for me to just hole up in our home for days on end. But I know that for me, staying indoors all the time is not the healthiest option. So I decided early on in January, even before Owen died, that I was going to give this a go. Uh, and I decided I was going to make the challenge work for me, and I would cut myself some slack. It's been a little more difficult following through with this since Owen died, but to be honest, it's been motivating enough to kind of pull me outside, even for just like a quick 30 seconds to snap a photo, just so I can upload it so I don't break my streak. But it's very helpful to have something like that to get me out of the house. And I have found that even just a minute or two to take that picture for the day is enough to break me out of my sluggish funk for at least a little while. And it's super helpful. What happens, though, more often than not, when I finally venture outside, and I mean, sometimes I put off to like the very end of the day. I'm talking like 1030. I'm like, oh, I haven't taken a picture yet. Okay, um, but when I get outside, I'm reminded just how amazing and beautiful and yes, extraordinary the natural world is. For accountability purposes, I could just snap a quick picture outdoors and not have any concern for how it looks, but the artist in me, just, it's, it's hard to just do that. So I usually insist on trying to frame a shot that I think is fairly attractive. And I think I've managed to take some really cool photos this year. So here's one. Um, this is a picture I took on August 5th of a cicada on a weed growing in the cracks of the patio by our front steps. Check it out. Look at the green. Doesn't that color just pop? Yeah. And then the little yellow leaf there. Wow. Um, now, I know a lot of people are not fans of cicadas. They're kind of creeped out by them. You know, they make that loud noise. And I, and I'll, I admit, no offense, but I really wouldn't want one on me. Um, but have you ever really looked closely at a cicada? Even if you're not a fan of a cicada in particular or even insects in general, I encourage you to consider the cicada with an open mind. Isn't it extraordinary that such a small creature, I mean, this is, this is not life-size. It, it wasn't really this big in real life. Um, isn't it extraordinary that such a small creature is capable of making such loud noises? And isn't it extraordinary that these delicate-looking wings 
are, that are so thin and you can see through them. Isn't it extraordinary that they are strong enough and sturdy enough to carry the creature through the air? And if you consider this weed that the cicada is sitting on, isn't it extraordinary that this type of weed is so resilient and powerful with such a strong root system that no matter how many times it gets cut down by a weed whacker, it grows right back. Uh, I think it's extraordinary. There have been days when I wished it wasn't quite that extraordinary, but you know, it's kind of magical really. Here's something else extraordinary that I've noticed from taking my daily photos outside. I've got two more pictures to show you. Now these two photos show the exact same view. It's my favorite view on our whole, you know, property. Uh, it's the exact same view facing northeast from our backyard. Now this one on the left, this kind of purplish in the background, I took on Friday morning, August 11th, just two days ago at 6.08 a.m. That's this one, Friday morning, 6.08. This one with the clouds visible, I took yesterday morning, Saturday, August 12th at 6.10 a.m. And look at the difference. It's just one day apart, almost exactly 24 hours different. Same time of day, same place, but the sky looks so dramatically different from this picture to the others. Why is that? Why is it? I'm sure there are a lot of scientists, people in the audience that could explain, and I could have looked it up, but I'm gonna remain amazed by the mystery of it all. It's really amazing, extraordinary, that our sky can look so many different ways. Nature is magical. I've been focusing on visual things in these examples, but vision is just one of the five senses. And there are ways to connect with extraordinary experiences using the other senses too. On the Happier app and on the website GretchenRubin.com, Ms. Rubin offers tips for enriching your life by exploring your five senses. She also released a book earlier this year called Life in Five Senses, How Exploring the Senses Gets Me Out of My Head and Into the World which has been exactly what I've needed so much over the last six months. One of my greatest takeaways from the book is that being more mindful of your sensory experiences can bring you more joy and fulfillment in life. And since I began paying more attention to my sensory experiences, I have learned some things about myself. I'm gonna go through each of the five senses and give you an example of something I find especially pleasant and even, dare I say it, extraordinary. Let's start with sight. I'm going to talk about clouds. I, I admit, I love to look up at the sky and look at clouds. They are not only beautiful, but they are fascinating because they're never the same from one day to the next and even from like one hour to the next, they move around. Or maybe it's because the earth is moving too. I don't know the scientific reason exactly, but it's fascinating that they're constantly changing and then they have the different types of formations indicating different weather conditions. And I think it's amazing. Hearing. So we have this, this lake behind our house. You saw a little bit of it in those two photos that I had side by side. They call it a lake. I think it's maybe more of a big pond, but you know, it sounds more glamorous if you call it a lake, I guess. So it's a lake. There's frogs that live in there. And in the, in the spring, when the, when the evening weather's mild, and we have the windows open, you can hear the frogs. 
And I don't know how many different kinds of frogs are out there, but they make some of these lovely, like singing type, crooning little noises. I think it's just spectacular. Smell. Some of you may be aware that I love, love, love the smell of coffee. I love to drink it, but I think it smells even better than it tastes. And especially the freshly ground coffee beans. Oh, man. I can just take a bag of that and just, you know. How did human beings, though, even figure out that roasting and grinding coffee beans and then brewing them with hot water could make something delicious? I mean, that just seems like a weird random thing. Oh, hey, why don't we roast these beans? But it's phenomenal, right? Those of you who love coffee, there's a kind of magic to it. Taste. One of my favorite comfort foods is Indian cuisine. And I just love the way the spices are blended to make such deep, complex flavors. Um, and if you just adjust the amount of certain spices just slightly, you get a, a different kind of flavor um, profile. Um, but I crave that cuisine almost constantly. Touch. Not long after Owen died, I decided that I might benefit from having a sort of security blanket, so to speak. So I managed to find one that's in a beautiful, rich shade of purple, which is my favorite color. And the fabric is so soft. It's some kind of microfiber or something, but even after washing, it stays soft. So you might have, no have noticed some of these five senses things I mentioned are elements of the natural environment, while others are human-made. Now, I personally derive an immense amount of joy and spiritual connection from nature. And nature offers endless opportunities for us to experience awe and wonder. But humans and their actions and creations also can be extraordinary. In this world where there's so much pain, suffering, conflict, and cruelty, it can be easy to overlook some very impressive human accomplishments. If you're interested in technology, well, I encourage you to think of the ways that technology has advanced just in your lifetime. My family still had a few rotary dial telephones when I was a kid. And now I'm holding this smartphone and actually reading my speech from it. And this phone is more powerful and versatile than any of the computers that were available when I was in high school and college, including this giant mainframe in this building uh, in the engineering school at Bradley. And this phone's got a lot more going for it than those giant computers. Humans have immense capacity for innovation, ingenuity, creativity, and skill, and not just in technology, but in things like the arts and science. For instance, I can think of some incredibly talented musicians that have graced this sanctuary, right? You know, y'all know who I'm talking about, lots of them. And some of those musicians are talented visual artists as well. So how do they do so many things so well? So many creative things. It's extraordinary. But beyond any human gifts related to things like technological wizardry or creative arts, I hope you will consider just how extraordinary humans are in our capacity to connect with others in support, love, and friendship. When I get discouraged about how many terrible things humans are doing around the world, the country, and in our own local community, I find it helpful to remind myself that we are capable of exquisite, extraordinarily good things. The power of human connections can be truly extraordinary. For the most part, we build those connections in the so-called ordinary moments with people. Special celebrations and luxurious vacation trips certainly provide opportunities to create warm, 
once-in-a-lifetime memories with our loved ones. And I do aspire to have some of those in my life eventually, too. But so much of what cements the bonds of family and friendships is the everyday stuff. Humble meals and routines. Simple daily rituals and interactions. I encourage you to think of someone you love who has died. What are the things you miss most about them? What are the experiences you most miss sharing with them? What are the foods you used to enjoy with them? In addition to Owen, I have experienced the deaths of both my parents, all of my grandparents, and my sister's husband. And here are some of the things I miss most about them. I miss watching afternoon cup games with my dad on WGN, on his little portable black and white TV. About this the screen was like this big on the deck adjacent to his mom's bedroom in the years before lights were installed at Wrigley Field to enable night games. I miss my mom's workday ritual. As I said earlier, she was a, a school teacher, a longtime District 150 middle school teacher, in fact. And in the mornings on school days, her thing was to stand in the kitchen and smoke a cigarette while sipping a Diet Coke. Breakfast of champions, right? Uh, and I used to tease her about that, but man, I miss that about having her around. I miss having Sunday dinners every week at my maternal grandmother mama's house. Um, and she was fussy and fancy about it. We had to have the little salad plates with the little lettuce leaf, iceberg lettuce leaf under the little jello salad, and then a dollop of Miracle Whip on top. And most of us kids scraped the Miracle Whip off the top and didn't eat the lettuce leaf, but she kept doing it. She was old school that way, but I miss those. I miss the cinnamon apples that my, my paternal grandma made. And isn't it funny how those family favorite dishes that our ancestors made for generations don't taste quite the same when they're gone. And we try to make them possibly by using their recipe cards written in old school cursive, grease stained and possibly coated with like flour and stuff from decades of use. I miss my paternal grandpa's habit of wearing trousers and dress shirts all the time. He was a dressy kind of guy, formal. I miss being the occasional recipient of a few of my maternal grandfather papa's sugar-free hard candies. He had diabetes, and I'm not sure what sweetener was used in those candies. Probably long been prohibited by the FDA because that was the early 70s, but they had a weird flavor. But you know what, if he were around to offer them still, I would gladly snatch up a few because of the prestige of having Papa offer to share a few of his special candies. It was like getting a little gift of a few gold nuggets. And as for my brother-in-law, Steve, I miss his big booming laugh and his skill for plugging holes in flat tires. He rescued me on more than one occasion. So these so-called ordinary moments in life, such as the ones I just mentioned, are where the magic happens. They are. They are truly extraordinary experiences in their own right, I believe. And I have learned, um, in some ways the hard way, that life is short and it really can end without any warning when we least expect it. The moments we have with the people we love are treasures. Embracing the humble day-to-day -day moments can deepen our gratitude and nurture those precious connections. It's worth it. It's worth doing it. You know, that simple 10-minute interaction that you have with someone at coffee hour. You know, you just don't know how much that cements that connection with that person. Anyway, 
back to my long-term dream, long-time dream of traveling the world. I really do still want to experience global travel, visit other countries, and interact with people in different cultures and eat the food and experience their architecture and the natural wonders of the different geography and all those exotic things. I'm not giving up on that dream, but what I've learned, what I've realized by the example that Owen has shown me, that I am not going to postpone my full participation in life while I wait to make those travel dreams happen. For the time being, at least, Peoria and Central Illinois are my world, just as they were Owen's world. This, this is where my people are. This is where I can find joy, fulfillment, gratitude, and connection. This is where my life will be magical. It will, as long as I keep embracing the extraordinary because in a way, everything that we call ordinary really is extraordinary. Thank you very much.